Welcome to today's Mind, Body and Relationship Maze. Do you ever find in your relationship that it seems like your partner isn't the same person that you met? Or maybe you sometimes get into relationships expecting the other person to be a certain way, and they're completely different when you really get to know them. Today, we're going to be talking about how it's so important to know yourself before you get into a relationship. And when we don't, it, it, we can sometimes project things onto the other person that gives us the impression that there's someone that they're really not. Yes, and this happens in particular uh, at the stage of relationship, which is uh, often called the power struggle, uh, where couples have left the honeymoon, they have kind of left the stage in their relationship where everything is rosy and they think uh, their partner is just wonderful. And they start to kind of notice little niggles, they start to think, oh, actually, I'm not so keen about this or that behavior of my partner. And sometimes they think, well, hang on, is this really the person? Is this really a completely different person? Was I completely deluded here in uh, in choosing this particular partner? And what often happens then in relationships is that we start uh, getting very disappointed and we frequently point the finger in the other direction and blame our partner for uh, being wrong, for doing the wrong things, for showing the wrong behavior, for having the wrong ideas, etc., etc. Yeah, and often when we get into a relationship, we when we meet the person for the first time, or when we start dating, we see them through colored filters, like rose-colored lenses is sometimes the expression that's used. So we start to kind of see them as being kind of amazing, being wonderful. And part of that is some of the chemicals that we have in our brain and our body that are flowing through, like oxytocin, that makes us see the other person as, as, as really amazing. It's this sort of bonding chemical. Um, but it's also it's our innate beliefs, and it's it's sometimes what we want to see in the other person. Uh, we start to project onto them, and often that's not really the case. And actually, before we just get into that, if you want to find out more about how to improve your relationships, do head over to therelationshipmaze.com, where we have lots more resources and our online relationship course, The Relationship Maze. Yes, and in particular, the first module of our course, the Relationship Maze, uh, is uh, looking at the uh, at, at getting to know yourself. So the focus is very much know yourself, because if you know yourself, if you have a really good understanding of what your wishes are and your desires in uh, in a relationship, then you have a better understanding of what you might be projecting onto your partner, what your ideas might be about relationships, and also why you might be disappointed, for example, about uh, your partner not quite uh, being the person who, the, who you want them to be. Um, so very often, uh, or just generally, just to start off with, um, we all have a, partic a particular perspective on life. We all have particular interpretations. Uh, we all have our, our own particular view of the world. And of course, that view of the world has been shaped over a long period of time. It has been shaped in our early relationships with our parents, with our siblings. And of course, it also has been shaped in subsequent relationships that we're in, friendships, school is hugely important, uh, important of course, as well. So we kind of develop a view of the world, a particular way of looking at the world. But very often, we're not necessarily aware of this particular view. Absolutely. And when we come to relationships, one thing to maybe have to think about is right now as you're listening, if I was to ask you, what do you want in a relationship? 
have a think about what your response might be. You know, what, what is it that you're looking for in a relationship? And some people have asked this question too. They might respond, well, I want somebody that's going to make me happy. I want somebody that's going to look after me. I want somebody that's going to care about me or whatever it might be. And we start to think about everybody who responds to this will come out with a slightly different answer. There might be some that are in common, but um, we're going to have a huge range of different responses. And sometimes if we have a response like, well, I want somebody that's going to make me happy, uh, we start to think, well, you know, where does that come from? Is there something, do we see happiness as coming from somebody else? So in that case, if I believe I'm looking for somebody to make me happy, when we meet somebody, we may try to see things about that other person that we think are going to make us happy. And maybe with those rose-colored lenses at the beginning of a relationship, we get a sense that it does. But actually, over time, we start to see that it, it, that doesn't seem to work. There is no magical happiness that somebody can give us. It's like happiness isn't something you can put, can put into a box and hand to somebody. Happiness really comes from within you. Mm. Um, sometimes it's really important to start to think, well, what is it you want in a relationship? Is it something that somebody else can really give you? Or is it something you need to work on yourself first of all? Yes, and very often you might not actually even be very aware of what it is that you are looking for with the other person, what your expectations are of your partner and of a relationship. So very often these sort of desires that we have of relationships are driven by very unconscious uh, material. So very often it might be driven by um, desires or wish, wishes or wants that we had in our childhood where we felt frustrated with our parents that didn't quite give us what we wanted them to give us. Um, so we have this idea, and uh, most of the time, actually, this is not in our conscious awareness, we have this idea that our partner is going to heal all these old wounds, that our partner is going to give us what we always wanted to have but couldn't quite get as a child. Or conversely, it might be that um, we have a particular expectation we've learned. We've learned certain behaviors in our family of origin. We learned, for example, how um, love was expressed in our family when we were growing up. We learned how money was handled, for example. We learned all sorts of things that we just take for granted and we just assume that our partner surely will think the same way about uh, about these particular areas in, in the, of life. And we might be quite shocked to find that our partner had a very different experience and therefore very different ideas about how to handle uh, expressions of love, for example. They might be more reticent or they might be more forthcoming. They might be, for example, more used to hugging uh, than you are in your, in your family or vice versa. They might come from a family where money was handled very tightly and very carefully, uh, and, you know, unlike your family. So there might be similarities or differences uh, that we just take for granted and we just assume that everyone does the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in, of course, in our own background, with our kind of, in our childhood, we may kind of behave or we may kind of behave in similar ways that our parents did in the expression of love. So if they didn't really say to you, if your parents didn't tell you that they loved you, if they didn't kind of praise you, we may go on to think, well, we don't express ourselves. But conversely, we may do the opposite as well. We may go completely the opposite extreme. Mm. So somebody whose parents were 
kind of miserly. Um, you know, it might be that when somebody has kids, they decide they're going to spend absolutely everything or kind of spend all the money and end up in problems because they're spending too much money as opposed to the parents uh, that were very miserly. And sometimes I've noticed in kind of different generations that, that it swings to and fro to the extremes sometimes. It never really balances out because it's really important to kind of look inside and start to see where do these things come from. Otherwise, it becomes uh, a little bit like a sort of karmic experience where uh, where kind of one generation behaves in one way, the next generation then behaves in the opposite way, and then we have an opposite again in the next generation, and it never really gets solved. The, we never really kind of heal these wounds. Mm. So kind of exploring some of these beliefs, which, uh, as Angela mentioned, often we're not aware of what a belief is, because beliefs, we, we have beliefs about all types of things. Mm. Uh, we have beliefs about how we should express love. We have beliefs about, you know, what sort of things we should buy or how much money we should spend. And most of them we don't even think of as beliefs. Mm. We become aware of them usually when we have kind of issues in life and maybe somebody points it out. It's like, you know, well, what, you know, maybe somebody says to us, well, why do you think that? Mm. We never even questioned it before. Yeah. And we have all sorts of uh, insecurities as well that we are not necessarily aware of. We might have um, uh, low self-belief or low self-esteem in some areas of life uh, and therefore have an expectation that our partner will uh, needs to encourage us all the time. So we need, you know, we think, well, they are surely, because they love us, they will constantly tell us that we're doing well, that we are doing the right thing, etc. And there might be a real frustration then if that's not the case, if your partner doesn't reassure you all the time. So the point is really, what the point that we're making here is that it's really, you need to know what's the starting point here. What is it that I am bringing into this relationship? What kind of expectations do I have? Uh, are they realistic expectations that I have of my partner? Are they not? Do they need to be reviewed maybe? Did they make sense a long time ago, but they don't make sense now in my adult life? So we need to kind of really step back and have a look at ourselves. And obviously that's not always so easy to do. But when you do, when you have more of a sense of who you are as a person, you can approach your partner quite differently with a lot more self-awareness. Absolutely. And so let's think about, well, how can you begin to become aware of some of these things? And I asked you earlier to have a think about what you want in a relationship. Another way of asking that is, well, what are you hoping for in a relationship? So I'd recommend as soon as this podcast is finished, or even now, get out a pen and paper and just write down, what are you hoping for in a relationship? What are your expectations in a relationship? And just write down a list, just Just have a free flow of ideas and see what just comes out with these expectations. Mm. Uh, another exercise that I often do with my clients is that I ask them for indicators. So indicators in the relationship that tell them that they're in, a, in the right relationship. So what is it that tells them that they're being loved? What kind of indicators tell them that they're being loved? That can be a very good starting point as well. So for example, an indicator might be that I feel very uh, reassured all the time, or I feel confident with my partner, or I feel loved by my partner. So it could be all sorts of statements along those lines. Yeah, and when you've written out your expectations, maybe some of these indicators, start to go down through the list and think and ask yourself, are these realistic? 
Mm. Um, because sometimes we may say something that my, my partner will always be there when I need them. Mm. And you know, really, is that realistic? You know, it's something, of course, we might like, but we have to always realize that you know, our partner may have kind of involvements at work or other family commitments. So they're not being there 100% of the time. Mm. And in fact, if they were there 100% of the time, it may not be healthy because we also need our independence. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So checking. So it's some sort of so a good reality check, really, about what's really realistic here. What can I expect of my partner? Because we often expect so much. This is the point, really, that we're trying to make it. We often have these really high expectations of our partners. Uh, and it can be too much. It can be too overwhelming. And it would maybe be too much for us as well uh, if we, you know, if our partner constantly made demands on us. So if you're both doing that in the relationship all of the time, it can be a bit overwhelming at times. It certainly can. And at the same time, it's also important to know that we can have, it's, it's fine to want some needs to be met mm. by a partner as well. So just just knowing that we do have some needs that, you know, we do want, to, there are, it's a balance between being overly dependent on our partner, mm. but at the same time, also knowing that, you know, the fact we are in a relationship is we, we do want somebody that's going to help meet some of these needs as well. And I think it's making that distinction between those needs that, that are kind of realistic and are kind of um, that, that are healthy to have in a relationship mm. and those needs that are really trying to satisfy some internal wound from the past uh, that are really unrealistic for somebody else to try to kind of heal for us. We need, we need to look at those things ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. And we've talked about in a previous podcast, we have talked about attachment styles. So that's very relevant in the context of what we're talking about just now. Um, if you are, um, if you're very anxious uh, in terms of your attachment style or if you're avoidant, you will, you will, um, your needs will find expression in a very different way. So for example, if you're very anxious, you might uh, express your needs a lot. You might protest a lot and make these demands on your partner. So it's really important to kind of get some sense of where am I coming from here and what are my triggers also what is it what kind of situations what kind of behavior makes me feel insecure with my partner or what kind of situations make me feel really um, a little bit well a bit a little bit like a child maybe where I feel quite vulnerable and I really need uh, my partner to look after me so it's just sort of paying attention to these cues these triggers that you have where you're feeling uncomfortable and you need your partner to step in. And another thing you could do to add to this uh, exercise that we were talking about earlier, where writing down some of these things that you might want in a relationship is start to think about as well, how, are there certain ways that you tend to feel in your relationships? Mm. So other common patterns and ways that you tend to feel, like, for example, even when you're with somebody after a period of time, do you find that you often feel lonely? Um, do you find that you uh, always tend to feel wounded when something happens in your relationship? Mm. Do you find that you have this need to always be right? Mm. Um, do you find that even though your partner might kind of tell you they love you, they might kind of do things with you, do things for you, maybe buy you flowers, whatever it happens to be, but you always feel unloved? Mm. Absolutely. That's really helpful. And uh, another aspect of the know yourself uh, uh, scenario is that very often uh, what happens with couples, and I see this all the time in my work with couples uh, as a couples therapist, is that uh, we often criticize aspects of our partner 
that we don't like about ourselves. So, for example, I might say to my partner, oh, you're always getting angry so quickly. And really what I am pointing out is that I am uncomfortable with my own anger and I kind of pass it on to my partner over there and blame them instead. So this is, it sounds quite complicated, but this is something that happens a lot between partners. So we often attach the blame to our partner of aspects of ourselves that we don't like. Yeah, and, and sometimes I hear when you know people are saying, well, you're always getting so angry, and they're saying it's in a really angry tone of voice all the time, it's, you can really see that the anger is within that person. And mm. yeah, and it's, it's also important to start to think, well, where where is this coming from? Is this from within me, or is it from mm. the other person? So, you know, because there are things that we project, and there are things that also behaviours from the other person as well. It's about separating them and thinking which things really come from within me. Absolutely. Well, and maybe one final thought that might also be quite interesting to you is to think about your birth order. So what were you in your family of origin? Were you the the oldest, the youngest, the middle child? Depending on your position in, in terms of birth order, you might be playing out particular behaviours in your relationships. So if you are, for example, the oldest in your family of origin, you might be more in a position of taking care of people, of always kind of looking after everyone, making sure that everyone is all right. And you might get fed up with that sometimes when you do that as well. Or if you were the youngest in the family, you might be always the easy-go-lucky person uh, who uh, has very high expectations that everyone else always looks after them. And you get frustrated if that doesn't play out. So it's 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 kind of quite an interesting reflection. And it's a huge generalization. I'm aware of it. But but there is often a dynamic here that plays out in terms of your position in your family of origin. Yeah, and that can be fascinating to look at. And Mm -hmm. as Angela said, you know, I I do know people where the youngest person is is the kind of rescuer. So it doesn't always follow, but it's... You know, it, 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 we do tend to see these patterns over time with, with a great number of people. Mm. So as we've always, um, and as we mentioned earlier, if you'd like to explore more about yourself and your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com and we go into a lot more detail. We've got a whole module where we explore yourself because if you want to create great relationships, it's so important to really know yourself as well as you can because until you know yourself, it's really impossible to have a great relationship with somebody else. Absolutely. And that's true. Um, Whatever stage you're at, whether you're in a relationship currently uh, and you want to kind of look at, you know, how you can improve your relationship with your partner or where, you know, if you are single, you're 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 not in a relationship, but you're setting out uh, possibly um, with a new relationship or you're looking for a relationship. It really helps to do that kind of work. Actually, it's really helpful to do a lot of the work before you even set out with a new relationship, um, because it really helps you to kind of be a bit clearer about what it is that you're looking for and what you want from a relationship. Right. So I think we've come to the end for today. Um, so as Tom said, head over to the relationship mace. It's all there and lots and lots in lots more detail. And we very much look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it. And uh, yeah, see you next week. Bye. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. If you'd like to find out more about creating great relationships, go to therelationshipmaze.com and I look forward to seeing you there. And remember to tune in to the next podcast.